friend. It's been a while. It has. Um, Thanksgiving went by. It did. You had a nice one? Yeah, you? Yes. God bless. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, now comes Crema. <sighs> we'll be fine. I'm not ready for Christmas yet. No, me either. I Nothing. mean, the house is all decorated and stuff, but gifts, no. No, me either. But it'll be fine. We'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to start off with something. Yes. So remember last time we were talking about, you know, my older boy and, you know, trusting God and he has everything lined up. Yes. So don't see things as a failure. So he ended up getting that job. Oh, wonderful. But like, oh, like that's, that's, we're very happy for him. That's great. But the point of what I want to say is God was with him every step of the way. If you kind of take a step back and look at the situation, one, he knows where he needs to be. God yeah. knows where he needs to be. But also, you know, in that year, almost a full year that he was looking for a job and, and many, many interviews and stuff yeah. like that. So what he may have seen as failure time after time he was actually gaining all that interview experience. Yes. Which gave him possibly a leg up on this one interview, yep. which he did, you know, succeed at getting the job. So it's like, don't see things as a failure. God right. said, he's setting you up. For where, where he wants you to be. Correct. Gosh, that's such a praise. You know? Yes, I'm so it's happy. pretty amazing. He'll do great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the the point is, like, because it's not a brag or anything. It's just, like, mm. God knows. Yes. You know, you may not see it right away what's happening, but he is leading you down the correct path. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's good. Thank you for telling us. Anything going on with you that you want to talk about? No. No? All right. No. My daughter's coming home this week. The house will be louder, which is good. What what day is she coming home? Thursday. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. So she'll be here trotting around. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But yeah, everything's fine. Good. Yes, yes. Thank Be God. Yeah, beautiful time of the year. Yes. All right, friend. Do you want to start us in prayer? Sure. Father, we come to you acknowledging that we need your strength and mercy. Help us as we walk through the deep waters of temptation how comforting it is to know that your precious son jesus walked through the same trials and temptations that we are enduring in this very moment we are so thankful that you know our thoughts emotions and struggles holy spirit give us a lens of revelation as we lift our eyes to heaven where our help comes from we ask that your spirit fill us with boldness, awareness, and encouragement as we turn from our sinful patterns and return to your heart. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's a good one, huh? That is good. Yeah. All right, so we are on Isaiah chapters 54 through 66, and let's recap chapters 40 through 51. Isaiah foretold the coming of the suffering servant, Jesus, and described his life and death with incredible detail. Isaiah also spoke about the coming of the new heavens and earth when God's people will be completely restored. 
Was there anything else you wanted to go over from last no, time? No, nothing. Okay. That's good. So, uh, okay, Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 17, future glory for Jerusalem. Uh, is there anything you wanted to start with there? Um, no, you have me reading. You want me to read? Yes, please. Okay, so 54, 7 through 9 says, For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with great compassion I will take you back. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I had a note for there. Yes. God made a covenant with Noah that he has never broken. Likewise, God made a covenant of peace with the people of Israel that the time would come when he would stop pouring out his anger on them. He would teach their citizens and give them prosperity. Did you have anything for that? I do. I have the God we serve is holy and he cannot tolerate sin. When his people blatantly sinned, God in his righteous anger chose to punish them. Sin separates us from God and brings us pain and suffering. But if we confess our sin and repent, then God will forgive us. Have you ever been separated from a loved one and then experienced joy when that person returned? That is like the joy God experiences when you repent and return to him. Anything else? No, that's what I had known. Okay, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 through 13, invitation to the Lord's salvation. Verse 3 says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. Beautiful. Anything for that first section? No, I no. I do have a note. Oh yeah, yeah. God's covenant with David promised a permanent homeland for the Israelites. No threat from pagan nations and no wars. But Israel did not fulfill its part of the covenant to obey God and stay away from idols. Even so, God was ready to renew his covenant again. He is a forgiving God. Uh, One note I had for that section. Food costs money, lasts only a short time, and meets only physical needs. But God offers us free nourishment that feeds our soul. How do we get it? We are to come, listen, seek, and call on God. God's salvation is freely offered, but to nourish our souls, we must eagerly receive it. We will starve spiritually without this food as surely as we will starve physically without our daily bread. Now, uh, could you please read verses 8 through 11? Yes, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. 
It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Um, one of the notes I had, the people of Israel were foolish to act as if they knew what God was thinking and planning. His knowledge and wisdom are far greater than any human's. We are foolish to try to fit God into our mold to make his plans and purposes conform to ours. Instead, we must strive to fit into his plans. For sure. Anything else? I don't, know. Okay, chapter 56, verses 1 through 8, blessing for all nations. And verse 8 says, For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too beside my people Israel. Anything for there? Um, I have God commanded his people to rest and honor him on the Sabbath. He wants us to serve him every day, but he wants us to make one day special when we rest and focus our thoughts on him. For the Israelites, this special day was the Sabbath, Saturday. Some Christians set Saturday aside as this special day, but many accept Sunday, the day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead, as the Lord's day, a day of rest and honor to God. Do you make Sunday special? The one note I had was Isaiah clearly proclaims this radical message that God's blessings are for all people, even Gentiles and eunuchs, who are often excluded from worship and not even considered citizens in Israel. Whatever your race, social position, work, or financial situation, God's blessings are as much for you as for anyone else. No one must exclude in any way those God chooses to bless. Mm. Because now we're starting to get into that line of thought. Yes. Which is neat. Yes. Absolutely. Anything else? No, I don't have anything. Okay, chapters 56, 9 through 57, 2, Sinful Leaders Condemned. Mm -hmm. And if you could read verses 1 and 2, please. Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. For those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. I didn't have any notes for there, did you? Nor did I, no. Okay, moving on to chapter 57, verses 3 through 13, idolatrous worship condemned. Yes. Now, in here, the Lord was not pleased with those who worshipped foreign idols and pagan symbols. The Lord even asked if their idols would save them when they cried to them for help. Yeah. Uh, anything for that section? Yes, I have marriage is an exclusive relationship in which a man and a woman become one. Adultery breaks this beautiful bond of unity. When the people turned from God and gave their love to idols, God said they were committing spiritual adultery, breaking their exclusive commitment to God. How could people give their love to worthless wood and stone idols instead, instead of the God who made them? And loved them so very much. Uh, One note I had, God says that he will expose their good deeds for what they really were. Mere pretensions of doing good. Isaiah warned these people that their good deeds would not save them any more than their weak, worthless idols. We cannot gain our salvation through good works because our sins exclude us from God's presence. Salvation is a gift from God received only through faith in Christ, not because of good works. Mm -hmm. Anything? That's all I had. Okay. 
chapter 57, verses 14 through 21, God forgives the repentant. Mm -hmm. And um, just to start off this section in the notes, it said Isaiah 57, verses 1 through 13 speaks of pride and lust. Verses 14 through 21 tells how God relates to those who are humble and repentant. The high and holy God came down to our level to save us because it is impossible for us to go up to his level, level to save ourselves. Anything else for there? 4.50. No, I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, don't apologize. <laughs> yes. Okay, so... Moving on to chapter 58, verses 1 through 14, true and false worship. Uh, anything for there? Any notes? I any do. verses? I have a couple. The first one is true worship was more than religious ritual. Going to the temple every day, fasting, and listening to scripture readings. These people miss the point of a living, vital relationship with God. He doesn't want us to act pious when we have unforgiven sin in our hearts, and continue our sinful lifestyles. More important even than correct worship and doctrine is genuine compassion for the oppressed, the poor, and the helpless. And then I have another note. It says, The day of rest should be observed and regarded not only because Sabbath-keeping is a commandment, but also because it is best for us and it honors God. Keeping the Sabbath shows proper respect to God, our Creator, who also rested on the seventh day. It also unifies our family and sets priorities for them. Our day of rest refreshes us spiritually and physically, providing time when we can gather together for worship and reflect on God without the stress of our everyday activities. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so chapter 59, verses 1 through 21, warning against sin. Um, in the notes, it said, Sin offends our holy God and separates us from him. Because God is holy, he cannot ignore, excuse, or tolerate sin as though it didn't matter. Sin cuts people off from him, forming a wall to isolate God from the people he loves. No wonder this long list of wretched sins makes God angry and forces him to look the other way. People who die with their life of sin unforgiven separate themselves eternally from God. God wants them to live with him forever, but he cannot take them into his holy presence unless their sin is removed. Have you confessed your sin to God, allowing him to remove it? The Lord can save you if you turn to him. And then verses 15 through 17 say, Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. Any notes? I do. It, um two of them because of israel's willful willful persistent rebellion the nation became unable to take action against its sins sin fills the vacuum left fills the vacuum left when god's truth no longer fills our life only god can defeat sin god would in fact act to rescue the nation from the from enemy arm armies and to punish wicked israelites as well 
he would also rescue his people from sin. Because redemption is an impossible task for any human, God himself as the Messiah would personally step in to help. Whether we sin once or many times, out of rebellion or out, or out of ignorance, our sin separates us from God and will continue to separate us until we confess and repent of our sin. Then God forgives us and removes it. Thank you. Yes. And then could you please read verse 21? Yes. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. Any other notes for that section? I do. Um, When the Holy Spirit dwells within his people, they change. Their former desires no longer entice them. Now their chief aim is to please God. We, who are Christians today, are the heirs of this prophecy. We are able to respond to God's will and distinguish between good and evil because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now, moving on, we have in the in our Bible, there was a paragraph before scripture titled the future kingdom. And it says this section deals both with the glory of the kingdom of God realized through the Messiah and the good news of his salvation and with the still future heavenly kingdom that all of God's people look forward to in the last day. That leads us to chapter 60, verses 1 through 22, the future glory for Jerusalem. Verse 19 says, No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Real quick, the they had cited Revelation 21, verses 23 and 24, uh, and I looked that up. It's it's amazing oh. how here we are in Isaiah, and then they're talking about it in Revelation. So here's what it says. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. And then Revelation 22.5, they also cite, that one says... And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Beautiful. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, that it all points. Yes, it is. Do you have uh, any notes for that section? Um, I have one that says the places mentioned belong to obscure tribes in the Arabian desert, hundreds of miles from Israel. All people would come to Jerusalem because God would be living there and they would be attracted to his light. Don't be discouraged when you look around and see so few people turning to God. One day people throughout the earth will recognize him as the one true God. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anything else? That's it. Now there is an insert in, in our Bible, um, And I'm going to put it, I'll take a picture and put it on Facebook. It's titled The Spirit in Isaiah. And it's really neat. So I'll look for that on the Facebook page. Chapter 61, verses 1 through 11, good news for the oppressed. One of the notes said, Under the old covenant, God ordained the priests of Israel to stand between him and his people. 
They brought God's word to the people and the people's needs and sins to God. Under the new covenant, all believers are priests of the Lord, reading God's word and seeking to understand it, confessing their sins directly to God and ministering to others. And would you please read verse 10? I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride with her jewels. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Any notes for there? Yes. Me could refer to the Messiah, the person appointed by the Spirit of the Lord which symbolizes God's people. The imagery of the bridegroom is often used in scripture to depict the Messiah, while the imagery of the bride is used to depict God's people, we too can put on our new clothes a right relationship with God by putting our trust in Christ. Anything else for there? That's all I had. Okay. Verses 62, 1 through 12, Isaiah's prayer for Jerusalem. Isaiah 62, verses 10 through 12 say, Go out through the gates, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. Notes for there. Anything? I have two. One is many commentators believe Isaiah is speaking here. If so, Isaiah's zeal for his people and his desire to see the work of salvation completed caused him to pray without resting, hoping that Israel would be saved. We should have Isaiah's zeal to see God's will done. This is what we mean when we pray. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is good to keep praying persistently for others. The people of Jerusalem will have new names. The holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord, believers today, also have new names, Christians. In 1 Peter 2, 5, we are called God's holy priests. Hmm. That's something that I need to work on. It's Persistently hard. praying. Yeah. I heard Paul Washer talk yesterday, and he was saying, when, when he hears someone say, God is number one in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, he shouldn't, it shouldn't be a list. Mm -hmm. He should be first in every, he just should be your everything. Mm -hmm. No matter what, he should be your everything. I think that's just part of the journey. Yes, it is. Improving, improving your spiritual life every day. Yep. That's right. For sure. Chapter 63, verses 1 through 6. Anything for there? I have Edom was a constant enemy of Israel despite its common ancestry in Isaac. Edom rejoiced at any trouble Israel faced. The imagery in this passage is of a watchman on the wall of Jerusalem. Seeing Edom approaching and fearing that the Edomite king in his red garment is leading an attack. But it turns out to be the Lord in bloodstained clothes who has tramped who has trampled and destroyed Edom. 
Basra is a city in Edom. That's all it says. I don't know why we need to know that, but we do. <laughs> yeah, but now we know it. Now we know. Where's Basra? City. Edom. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Quite. Who knows? <laughs> that may be on a contest one day. On Jeopardy? Yeah. Last night there was a Jesus one. Was there? And it said, what are the curls in Jesus' hair called? And no one said ringlets. And I said ringlets. That was a question? Yeah. Huh. What are the long curls in the pictures of Jesus called? Yeah. Ringlets. Huh. Would you have said ringlets? No, I don't think. Because I would have, for sure, I would have, like, overthought it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What are they called? And then it's the the simple, oh, ringlets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm the simple mind. (laughs) If we ever are on Jeopardy, you have to go because I won't make it. No, because I overthink. Here's what happens. This has happened before. We'll be watching Jeopardy as a family, and like one of the one of the categories will be the Bible. Yeah. Everyone looks to me. The minute there's a Bible question, they look to me, which is fair. Okay, I get yeah. it. My mind can't work that fast. Like. You know, who is ba 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 in ba ba ba? And they all stare at me. I'm like, oh. I don't know. I can't think that quick. No, let, <laughs> give me a minute. Let me break it down. Good night. It's always something. But you know what's so sad is if, if it was, if the category was movies, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh. Ba da 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 da. You'd be running off. You'd just go to the 2000. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Not Alex anymore. No, Alex passed. I, who is the host now? I don't know. The one who won all that money with the lisp. Oh, the short guy? Yeah. I don't know his name. You would say, let's say his name's John. John, just give me movies for 2000. You'd start right there. You wouldn't yeah, start we'll just, at the beginning. No, we'll start at the bottom and yeah. go up. Yeah. Wasn't uh, Blossom a host? She was, but she's out. Oh, she's not there anymore. Yeah, okay. I don't know why, but... Okay. It's just that man now with the lisp. How does he do? Does he do a good job? Fine, yeah. Well, that's good. He's good, yeah. No one's Alex Trebek, though. No. Sweet man. You know, you never saw anything about him cheating or anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he lived a pretty... like he Was, was he a, married? Yeah. Okay. He may have a young child, even. Oh, how sad. So, you know, maybe it was his whatever marriage, but... You never heard of him clipping around. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's weird when you're used to seeing someone hosting. Like, yeah. uh, like uh, you know, if Wheel of Fortune continues on. Right. Come Who, on. There can only be Pat Sajak and Vanna White. Yeah, that's all we've known. Yeah. So and it was, it was weird not seeing um, Richard Dawson. Yeah, but who took his place is very attractive to me. Oh, Steve yeah. Harvey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Because I was thinking about all the other people that replaced him, like, before they got to Steve no. Harvey. I'm like, wait, who? Steve Harvey. Okay. I've told you this before. I know. I know. Um, Bob Barker. It's hard to see anybody else do yeah. Price is Right. Yeah. This is Bob Barker telling you to spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> Remember? Yes. Did anyone ever, uh, this is obscure, I know. Did anyone ever replace Gene Rayburn 
on match game. Those are the big cards, right? Or is that No, the, the big cards were Joker's no Joker's, Joker's Wild. Wild. Yeah. Now Joker's Wild I think had a co- two different yeah. hosts. Who what was the one you just said? Gene Rayburn on Match Game. What was Match Game? Match oh, Game was yeah, the one where yeah. they had like the six people yes. on the panel. Yeah. Yeah, the stars. Yes. Some up here, some down here. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always like um One like, smoked his pipe all the time. Yes, 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 yes. Not Frank. Anyway. Jaja Gabor was on there a lot. Was she? Yeah, and there was one other lady. Anyway, I don't think no one replaced him. I think, I it, think was it just left. Gene. Yeah. And they had a match game PM. Yeah. Gene's probably up with the Lord. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's probably passed. Yeah. I think almost all of those people have passed. Is Jaja Gabor alive? I don't know. See, I don't remember her on that, but I she might she Maybe might she... be alive. Now, who was the pipe smoker? That was such a 1970s show, the oh, colors. Everything about it was uh-huh. 70s. There was a uh, Gosh, what was Betty this? White was on there yeah, fairly maybe that's often. Yeah, I'm thinking of. No, but there was um there was the one lady with the big glasses. Then there was the guy you're talking about who always sat next to her. Did he play on MASH? No. I don't think so. Who is that man? That's, um... Jebediah. Not Jebediah. <laughs> what is his name? There was Fanny Flagg. She would be on there sometimes. I think Jaja was there, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I. it's very possible. It wasn't Richard Dawson. Sometimes he would be on there. Yeah. I know. Charles Nelson Riley. Yes, yes. That was yes. the big smoker. Yep. Is he alive? I don't think so. I think he passed. God, he toked it up. Yeah. Brett Summers. Yes, Brett That's Summers. Her. That's her. She was cute in her own way. Yeah. They were it was that was a fun show. It really was. When we were sick and young, that's what was on TV. Mm-hmm. I thought there was one other. Well, Dawson was on there quite a bit. He was, yeah. He was a flirt, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With everybody on every show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, there you go. Well, now that we've went on to match games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if someone said this morning, all right, listen, during the Bible study... <laughs> You're going to transition to match game. Oh, yeah, knowing us, okay, but how? How? How will that happen? And how did does. we get there? Alex. But how do we get to Alex? Because I said oh, the yeah, ringlets yeah. of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make a transition oh my from the ringlets of Jesus <laughs> to match game. <laughs> With Dawson flirting. Oh. How do we get there? I, the Lord knows. Oh, oh mercy. That's ridiculous. Yes. Come on. Well, too you much. Know. Too we got to do what we got to do. All right, friend. We got to get right. back on track. Uh, chapter 63, verses 7 through 14, praise for deliverance. And could you please read 7 through 14? Yes. Let me find it. 
I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. He said, there are my ve- they are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me again. And he became their savior. In all their suffering, he also suffered, and he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. But they rebelled against him and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he became their enemy and fought against them. Then they remembered those days of old when Moses led his people out of Egypt. They cried, Where is the one who brought Israel through the sea with Moses as their shepherd? Where is the one who sent his Holy Spirit to be among his people? Where is the one whose power is displayed when Moses lifted up his hand, the one who divided the sea before them, making himself famous forever? Where is the one who led them through the bottom of the sea? They were like fine stallions racing through the desert, never stumbling. As with cattle going down into a peaceful valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people, Lord, and gained a magnificent reputation. Thank you. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, it is. One of the notes says, Grieving the Holy Spirit is willfully thwarting his leading by disobedience or rebellion. Isaiah mentions the work of the Holy Spirit more than any other Old Testament writer. Beautiful. Yeah. Any Anything else for there? No, I don't have a note. Chapters 63, 15 through 64, 12, prayer for mercy and pardon. Verses 5 and 6 say, You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Anything for there? Yes, sin makes us unclean so that we cannot approach any we cannot approach God any more than a beggar in filthy rags could dine at a king's table. Our best efforts are still infected with sin. Our only hope therefore is faith in Jesus Christ who can cleanse us and bring us into God's presence. The passage can easily be misunderstood. It doesn't mean that God will reject us if we come to him in faith nor that he despises our efforts to please him. It means that if we come to him demanding acceptance on the basis of our good conduct, God will point out that our righteousness is but filthy rags compared to his infinite righteousness. This message is primarily for the unrepentant person, not the true follower of God. Okay, chapters 65, 1 through 66, 24. And would you please read verses 17 through 21? Yes. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever, I am in forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in in it no more. 
No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Uh, one of the notes I had in Isaiah 65, 17 through 19, we have a pictorial description of the new heavens and the new earth. They are eternal and in them safety, peace, and plenty will be available to all. Isaiah 65 verses 20 through 25 may refer to the reign of Christ on earth because sin and death have not yet been, been finally destroyed. I know we're going over a lot of verses, but there's just so much there good is. stuff in here. We can't, absolutely. And if there's anything that you want to go over, please. Yes, oh, I will. Okay, now I wanted to read verse... 66 2 and then uh chapter 66 verses 15 and 16 so verse 2 says my hands have made both heaven and earth they and everything in them are mine i the lord have spoken i will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word and then 15 and 16 says see the lord is coming with fire and his swift chariots roar like a whirlwind he will bring punishment with the fury of his anger and the flaming fire of his hot rebuke. The Lord will punish the world by his fire and by his sword. He will judge the earth and many will be killed by him. And then it's one of the notes. It said this is a vivid picture of the great judgment that will occur at Christ's second coming. And it refers to 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 through 9. And that says, and God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. And then, Amy, would you please read verses 22 through 24? Yes, let me find them. As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people. With a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and from month to month. And as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by will view them with utter horror. Any final notes? I do. Uh -huh. It says, Isaiah brings his book to a close with great drama. For the faithless there, for the faithless there is a sobering portrayal of judgment. For the faithful there is a glorious picture of rich reward. So will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear? This, the contrast is so striking that it would seem that everyone would want to be God's follower. But we are often just as rebellious, foolish, and reluctant to change as the Israelites. We are just as negligent in feeding the hungry, working for justice, obeying God's work, and taking up his causes. Make sure you are in the, among those who are richly blessed, who will be richly blessed. Thank you. Uh-huh. Friend, that's all I have for this oh. session. 
Was that there, was so good. It was. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, I probably have said it before, but the worst thing is not dying. No. Some people fear that, but what you should be fearing is not knowing him, mm-hmm. not having a relationship with him. Everybody's going to die, but not everybody will go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This was so good. Yeah. Goodness. Everything's good in it, but yeah. I love this one. Okay, so we'll give out some information. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com. Facebook and Instagram is at my basic Bible study. And on Facebook, you can find um, all that we're reading and upcoming readings. And then also, you know, any pictures that we take um, of inserts from the Bible will be there. And then the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. Next time, friend, uh, we're going to be learning about the cycles of rebellion and repentance in Judah. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to read all this because we're going back to Second Kings and then the parallel Second Chronicles. Oh my goodness. But it's going to be on the Facebook page. Okay. I'll list it there. Essentially, we're going to be reading Second Kings 21 through 23 and then the parallel Second Chronicles 33 through 35 and Jeremiah. Okay. So, but it'll be on the Facebook page. Okay. And we may not meet again till after Christmas. Okay. So Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas, everybody. And a Happy New Year. Maybe we'll see him before New Year, won't we? I think so. We'll talk to them. Well, record. Yeah. Well, we hope everyone has a blessed Christmas season. Me, yes. Amen. Thank you.